Can I give you some advice? Add a little something extra to your coffee. You've had a long week. Unwind. Let's play a drinking game. It's called Never Stop Drinking. You go first. <laughs> continuing our series this morning, Bad Advice. And I have to say, I'm so thankful all of you came back after last week. I um, was a little concerned how many of you would go home and think, I am never going to that church again. Uh, you're not going to believe what this guy said from the pulpit. And uh, if you were not here last week, um, then don't tell anyone who's here that wasn't here last week what happened last week. Let them experience, experience it for themselves. I think that's way more fun, and it's more enjoyable for them and you. You get to watch the reactions now that you kind of know what's coming. But no, we are so excited to hear with us this morning. And uh, if you have your Bible with you, and I do pray that you do, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. A quick announcement. Uh, forgot to mention this. Uh, we are still doing the care packages for our troops uh, that are family members of those that attend our church um, that are currently uh, away in service, overseas, things like that. And so um, those items were due today. Uh, we are going to extend that one more week uh, to next Sunday. So if you have not brought stuff in for the care packages, please bring that in next Sunday. Uh, you can go to the Welcome Center. There's a insert there that lists all kinds of options, things you can bring for that, uh, for those care packages. So bring that out uh, by next Sunday. We're going to put those boxes together and uh, our children's church, uh, junior church, did uh, some kind of different pictures. They colored some pictures for them, did kind of like a, a card in, in a sense. Um, and we're going to put that in a box with the stuff and send that to them just to encourage them and let them know that we're praying for them and thinking of them. Uh, also along that line, if you would remember to be in prayer for uh, Daniel Sutherland, Cheryl Sutherland's son. Um, I got a text from her this morning that he, she was taking him into the ER or to the hospital this morning. And so if you know Daniel, he's had various health concerns for uh, a while now. And so, but be in prayer for Daniel and for the Sutherland family. Um, and I also wanted to share real quick, that song that we just sang, Come Alive, um, that's such a powerful truth. Um, Ezekiel chapter 37 uh, talks about this prophecy that God gave to Ezekiel when he said to breathe on the dry bones, to prophesy over the dry bones. And that when he did, the Spirit of God, the breath of God filled those bones and they got up and started walking and became living creatures again. And it's, it's an amazing picture of what happens in salvation. That in, in, in our own self, before Christ, we are just dry bones. We are dead. But then when we call out to him as his Holy Spirit works in our hearts and minds, shows us the way of salvation, shows us his grace and we respond to that message of salvation, the very breath of God breathes on us and makes us, calls us a living creature. And so let me just tell you this morning, I don't know what lies the enemy has whispered to you, as we sang about. I don't know what, how you've been led astray by things in this world or things in your flesh or things of the enemy. But I can promise you, I can guarantee you, if you will turn from those things and trust in Christ, 
and allow his Holy Spirit to work in your life, you will be set free and you will start living truly what life is supposed to be. And honestly, this, this morning, that's exactly one of the things or kind of what we're going to be talking about this morning in regards to bad advice. Again, the goal in the next couple of messages is to get us to look at our lives and decisions we make and see how they have led us into harmful habits or decisions. We want to look into how we can avoid the bad advice that we've been giving and replace it with good and godly advice. Because to be honest, you can all relate to this. We can all relate to this truth. That nobody wakes up in the morning and just decides all of a sudden, I'm going to ruin my life today. You know what? I'm kind of tired of the mundane. I'm just going to I'm just going to become a drug addict today. You know, I'm just going to forget my job and my family. I'm just tired of that. I'm just going to today decide to ruin my life and destroy my life. Uh, Nobody in this room wakes up in the morning and just decides that. But if we're being honest with ourselves, some of us in this room have made little decisions over a long period of time that have led us to where we are today, which is, as we said last week, not only drifted from God, but enslaved to something else, controlled by something else. No one wakes up in the morning and says, today I'm going to start drinking and never stop, as it said in the video. Today I'm going to wake up in the morning, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to forget my wife, I'm going to forget my family, I forget all my commitments, and I'm going to go do what I want to do. I'm going to be, just gamble as much as I can gamble. I'm just going to live life to the fullest. I don't care who I hurt. I'm just going to ruin my life. Nobody wakes up and does that in the morning. But if we're honest, man, we can end up there quicker than we realize. I heard a long time ago, and it's so true, that sin will always promise you more than it gives. And it will always take more than what it promised to take. When you give yourself over to sin, I'm telling you, I know the allure. I know it looks good. I know it seems fulfilling. But I am promising you that in a short period of time, relative to God's timetable, in a very short matter of time, you will realize you lost so much more than you ever gained, even in a moment. Relationships can be destroyed. Family connections can be destroyed. Your job and your career can be destroyed by simple decisions that you make little by little over time. The college and career class, they tease Rick Fox about this, but for years, Rick has always said, it's all about choices. I could have stopped right there and like Greg and Jeff and if Wes was in here not teaching, those guys could have been like choices. That's what it's all about. But do you know what the truth of the matter is? It's all about your choices. The choices you make every day determine the outcome of your life. Look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12. Because some of you are already thinking down a road that I know most of us would go down when we talk about this topic or this idea of things that we've given ourselves over to. Today we're talking about how to become an addict. How to become an addict. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh man, thank you, Pastor John, for preaching this message today. Thank you, Pastor John, because you know what? There are so many people in our community that need to hear this message. There are so many people in the church that are just struggling, that are in addictions. And man, thank you, Pastor John, for preaching this message for them, because they sure need it. Man, I, I hope that one person that I'm thinking of right now, I hope they're here because they really need this message. 
Thank you, Pastor John, because those addicts, they need someone to encourage them. And if you're not careful, you replace you with them. And it's not, I need this message, it's they need this message. And we just kind of take what we receive from the Lord and we just keep shoveling it back, right? Because we know who really needs it, those in the back row, right? We just keep pushing it to the back row, right? I didn't even look at the back row because I'm like, I'm not even going there right now. It's just an illustration, okay? I don't need an email or a letter or a phone call. We're fine. But we do this. Don't we do this in life? Especially as followers of Christ. Remember, we're notorious for this. I can't, I hope Pastor John preaches a message on lying because, man, I know a lot of liars who need to be convicted. Like you have never lied. Whoa, I would never lie. Really, let's go back to fifth grade, shall we? <laughs> did you really do that book report? I mean, really, did you do it, or, or did you kind of maybe ask someone else what their opinions on the book were? That's good stuff. Let me just make some notes for my book report as I copy everything you say verbatim. Did you clean your room? Oh, yes, mother and father, I cleaned my room. And then they say those words, you shiver. I'm going to go check. And then you say, you know what, let me go double check my room, make sure I got it really good to your standards. And then you frantically try to do what? Clean your room in the 35 seconds it takes from your parent to leave their bedroom and get to your room. Listen, we can do this so easily. We automatically think it's for someone else or something else. But listen to Paul's words here. And I want you to realize, we say this every Tuesday night at Recovery Gathering. Every Tuesday night we try to say this, at least in some way, shape, or form. Addiction is not only drugs and alcohol. We are not in recovery as followers of Christ from just substance abuse. We're in recovery as followers of Christ from the sin that used to control us. And we don't want to relapse. We don't want to fall back into that stuff. But listen to Paul's words in 1 Corinthians six twelve. And let's see, is he just talking about addiction in the sense of what we think of it as? These substances that control us. Look at verse 12. All things, he says, are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Another translation says it this way. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything. He's quoting the Corinthians, by the way. He's not saying all things are lawful. He's saying the Corinthians are arguing, I can do whatever I want. I'm a Christian. I'm saved by grace. All things. I can do anything I want. So Paul's quoting them. And he says, I, can have, I, have, I have the right to do anything. But listen to what Paul says. But I will not be mastered by anything. Paul's saying, you can say you can do whatever you want. But I'm promising you, who is mastering you? Because if you live that way, something will control you. The word mastered in the original language means to be controlled by or enslaved, to be brought under the power of something. What happens? Many of us will say, I know I shouldn't overspend. Again, I'm not looking at anybody. I know I shouldn't overspend. I know I shouldn't overspend. If you've done this, you don't need to raise your hand. You can just, just smile at me and I'll know you're with me. I know I shouldn't overspend. But look at it. It's on. 
Look at how much money I could save because it's on sale. I know I shouldn't overspend. I know it's not in the budget. I know we don't really need it per se. But I mean, look at how it's on sale. Look at how much I can make and save. And and so you buy it. But then you remind yourself, man, I saved $50 on that. But you still spent whatever it cost, which you didn't need. Now, I know I shouldn't eat all of this. I know I shouldn't eat all of this. I know, I know, I know I shouldn't eat all of this. I can't believe I ate all of it. I've been there. Listen, late at night, you're watching some TV, you're kicked back in the recliner, you got the Pringles right here. Man, those canisters are not as big as they used to. I don't think they're putting as many chips in there as they used to. Because I'm getting my hand like, and what's with the, you're trying to get your hand in there, and then you're trying to like, you know, you do that stuff at home. You won't do that in public, but you'll just eat out of the can at home, right? I mean, there's no shame. We do this all the time. We, we know, we have knowledge. We shouldn't do those things. But next thing you know, if we let our guard down, we'll slip into just giving in. And then you give in once, and then you give in twice. And I'm promising you this. Every time you give in to that temptation, it becomes easier the next time to give in. And here's what really happens. You ever give in to a temptation? Don't raise your hand. But I can testify to this in my own Christian life, my own life as a human being. You ever give in to temptation and lightning didn't come from heaven and consume you? And then you had that thought in the flesh that went, huh, maybe this isn't that bad of a deal. Nothing happened. I mean, I'm still good. Family's still good. Seemingly everything's fine. I'll just give in again. What's the big deal? And these things are, we can kind of laugh about these things when it's like overspending because we kind of, as Americans, we joke about that because we really aren't financially conscious for most sake. We're not really trying to be good stewards of our money, but we can kind of laugh about that because we all understand that. We can laugh about eating things that, you know, like cookies and chips and stuff. We all kind of can relate. Oh, yeah, man, I know. I need to get better about that. But there are some serious issues. And for some of you, let me just step back real quick. Some of you, those two areas are really serious. But you joke about it because everyone else jokes about it, and it's easier for you to deal with because you just joke about it. But for some of us, how about, and you can relate, I'm sure, many of us could, how about this one? I know I shouldn't look. I know I shouldn't look. Man, I know I shouldn't look. I can't believe I looked. Well, you know, I looked. I might as well look again. And one look turns into two. And two look turns into a stare. And the next thing you know, you're on your computer late at night trying to delete history because you don't want anyone else to know what you're looking at. See, this is the stuff that Paul is talking about here. This is real stuff that we as followers of Christ, we need to stop kind of sugarcoating this stuff and deal with it in our lives. Because I'm, I'm telling you, So many people that are Christians that know Christ are being enslaved to this garbage. Do you know I heard a statistic? I listen to sports talk radio every now and then, and and they do these news things, and I don't really care for it because it's not news. It's mostly just liberal stuff being pushed and whatever. Or it's just silly things, like just goofy things that people do. It's meant to be funny. You know, one of the things they said, they said in 2017, statistically, the number of women that view pornography grew more than it has in any other year. 
Think about that for a moment. Women. So, see, when we think about these things, it's not just a man problem. It's a human problem. Man, we've got to realize what is Paul saying here? So let me ask the question. You just think of it in your own mind, and you think of this for yourself. What has mastered you? What has mastered you? Now, some of you may be sitting thinking, you know what, man, I used to be mastered by this. And this controlled me. And now I've been set free by the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit, and I'm living and walking in victory. Praise the Lord. That's true for you. Don't be ashamed of that. You praise the Lord for that. You tell others about that. You get excited about that because you were in bondage and now you're set free. But let me tell you something. You need to be guarded as well. Because just because you're free today doesn't mean you'll still be free tomorrow if you let your guard down in the Holy Spirit. If you stop putting on, if you will, the armor of God, that mental exercise of reminding myself that I'm protected from head to toe. Maybe you're here and you're in victory and you, you got out of those things that used to control you. Maybe your calling then is to go to those that aren't there yet and help them and encourage them and strengthen them so you can be strengthened in your walk. So if you're here and you, when I say what has mastered you, you could say it this way. I know what did master me and I know what would master me if I gave control over it to again. But right now I'm giving control to the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's you and praise the Lord. Maybe you're here and you would say, no, no, pastor, if I'm being honest, I know this is controlling me. This has mastered me. Let me give you some examples of things that maybe you have been mastered by. Obviously, we think of things like drugs and alcohol. And let me say this. Some people say, well, you know, pastor, what's wrong with a glass of wine every now and then? I mean, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not there to police every single thing you do. But I'm going to tell you what. Stop trying to think what does the world say is okay. And not even so much what am I allowed to do. But start thinking, okay, is this thing controlling me? Do I need this thing to function? Do I need this thing to get by? Do I need this as an escape from my stress and struggles? Those are the kind of questions I would start asking in all of these areas. Drugs and alcohol, obviously those are common things that we think of. How about some everyday things? How about things like working Oh, come on, Pastor, how can you be addicted to work? Ask countless numbers of families that have been destroyed because a mom or a dad was so invested in their own career and trying to get ahead, they wasted the time with their family. Because you know what? I just got to get ahead. I got to make the money. I got to have. I got to have. There are tons of people in America today that are literally addicted to work. They're workaholics because you know what? Sometimes it's easier to go to work than it is to go home and deal with those struggles. I'll just keep working because I'm good at that. People appreciate me there. I get credit for what I do there. Going home, that's tough. How about watching TV? Oh, come on, pastor. I'm telling you, these things can master us if we're not careful. Video games. My generation and the one behind me that's an issue for us. Some of the people that are older and in and, and, and life, and you're thinking, video games? What are you talking about? Do adults really struggle with that? You have no idea. Thousands and thousands of dollars are invested in video games by people that are in their 20s and even 30s that are sitting home playing games instead of going to work. This is a problem. People have these issues. How about a hobby that you enjoy that is more than an enjoyment when it starts controlling you? 
See, these are just a few ideas, a few thoughts to get us thinking down this line. When we are mastered by something, we give over control. Control that really only belongs to the Holy Spirit. To be honest, the root of all addiction is really a form of idolatry. We place something in the place of God to get fulfillment that really should only be found in Christ. Really, only He fulfills our deepest desires. Can we stop for a second and just praise God for that truth? Man, I am so thankful that Christ alone can fulfill my deepest desires, and he created me that way. He created you that way. Man, you don't need to to run to these fleeting things that promise you fulfillment and leave you empty. And you could go to the fountain of living water. And some of you, like I talked about, that are in victory right now, that you've surrendered from those things, and you've found victory in Christ, and you were in bondage for years to something, enslaved for years, and then you tasted freedom. And now, if you were even thinking of going back, it would turn your stomach because you would just think, how could I do that? And I don't know about you, but I can just praise God that, that he fulfills our deepest desires. And he might use other people. He uses hobbies that we enjoy, passions we enjoy. There's nothing wrong with those things. But the minute we cross the line is when we give over control. And now it's, I need this more than anything else. I want to look at a passage in the Old Testament to kind of get us thinking further down this line, and then we'll give you guys some bad advice this morning. I'm sure you're all so excited about that. Isaiah chapter 44. Look at verse 14. Isaiah 44 and verse 14. Now I'm going to read a couple of verses here. Just stay with me, and I'll kind of unpack it once we read it. Isaiah 44 and verse 14. It says here, He heweth down cedars, and takes the cypress and the oak, which he strengtheneth for himself among the trees of the forest. He planteth an ash, and the rain doth nurth it. Then shall it be for a man to burn, for he will take thereof and warm himself. Yea, he kindleth it, and baketh bread. Yea, he maketh a god and worshipeth it. He maketh a graven image, and falleth down thereto. Verse 17, And the residue thereof he makes a god, even his graven image. He falleth down unto it, and worship it, and pray unto it, and saith, Deliver me, for thou art my god. Now that's some, you're like, what did I just read? Literally, here's the idea. It's an illustration of what idolatry can look like in our lives. And I believe it's true for us today. The story is of a man who goes out and he cuts down some trees and he brings them in for wood. And what's the wood being used for? Well, it's being used to burn. Why is he burning it? Well, to warm him and his home, to bake over it, right, for food, for nourishment. Are those things bad? No. Is the wood intrinsically bad? No. Then we cross a line, don't we? You see what he says there? He says, then all of a sudden he switches from just using it for practical purposes And he actually creates a graven image out of the wood. And then he bows down and he worships the wood. And then it goes from worshiping the wood and making a graven image to it to saying, I'm going to pray to this idol. Then he says, and you will deliver me. And you might say, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Literally, who would cut down a tree and then worship the tree that he just cut down? It's silly. You're right. It is silly. It is ridiculous. But this is what we do every time we put something in God's place. It's just as silly and it's just as ridiculous. As, as foolish as it would be to think that a, lunk, a log of wood, just a hunk of wood, could pray or actually respond to your prayers and then deliver you is silliness. 
But when we go to these fleeting things in our life for fulfillment, it's just as silly. It's just as pointless. See, it starts off practically. It starts off as just an everyday thing. We're just doing this thing. It's, I mean, it's serving a purpose, whatever it is. It's enjoyment. It's entertainment, whatever. It's all good. It's fine. But then there's this line that we cross. And all of a sudden, we start giving ourselves to it. And now it takes control of us. And so I want to walk through this. And I want to see here, because the truth is often that addiction is a neutral thing. But it becomes a problem when we worship it and expect it to fulfill us as only God can. So as I said last week, if you are sensing the presence of God in your life, you're sensing him like never before. You are walking in his will for your life and want to mess all that up. I mean, you're enjoying God's presence, but you know what? You're tired of that. Who needs that? Who needs all this godliness? Man, I want to mess all that up. I want to ruin my life today. Then you're in the right place at the right time because I want to give you some bad advice that will help you do that. So how do I become an addict? Let me give you some bad advice this morning. And we're even going to use the Bible to do it. Some bad advice. You want to mess up your life. You don't want to walk with God anymore. Great. How do I become an addict? Well, the first thing you need to do if you want to become an addict is don't ever admit that you have a problem. You want to write this down, by the way. Some, much more of you should be doing this right now instead of this. No, I'm just kidding. No one's doing that. I don't think so. <laughs> Jeff's good. Rick's good. If Rick's good, we're good. That's a, that's a, he's my gauge. Like if Rick's I'm like, well, we need to go to prayer. How do you become an addict? You want to ruin your life. How do you become an addict? Don't ever admit you have a problem. Never believe that you actually have a problem and need help to overcome it. Never acknowledge the truth that you have a problem. Jeremiah 3.13 says, Only acknowledge your iniquity that you have sinned against the Lord. If you want to become an addict and you want to ruin your life, never do what Jeremiah says. Never acknowledge your iniquity that you have sinned against the Lord. No, don't do that because if you admit you have an issue, you might have to change. And we don't want to change. We want to ruin our lives. And so how do we ruin our lives? We don't admit we have a problem. It's everyone else who has the problem. Don't listen to your family or your friends, your spouse. Those closest to you who love you the most, ignore them. Ignore their voice. Ignore what they're saying because they don't know you. I mean, they love you and they care for you and they, they've spent years with you and some of your families raised you, obviously, but they don't really know you. You know you and you know what you really want and what you really want is to ruin your life. And so what you do is you don't tell anyone. You just keep living your life. You keep doing what you want to do. You never acknowledge you have a problem. And when your family or your friends come to them and you and say, oh, you've got this problem, you need to deal with this, here's what you do. You turn it around on them. You say, hey, who are you to judge me? Remember from last week? We just pull that one right back out again. It's amazing. We can use these things over and over again. You don't know what I'm going through. How are you to judge me? I'm just a work in progress. You know, God's working on me. All these things are great things to say if you want to become an addict because if they come to you in love, Treat it like it's judgment. Get defensive. Get angry. Get mad. Yell at them. Tell them, you know what? I don't even want you in my life anymore. And in fact, here's a real good trick. If you really want to become an addict, just isolate yourself from everyone. Seriously. Just get as isolated as you can from everyone around you and just go deeper and deeper into your addiction. And within no time, you will realize how far you've gone. And the addiction will hold you and control you 
And when people try to come to you, you just turn it back on them. You don't know me. It's not that big a deal. That's another good one. Write that one down. If you want to become an addict, you want to ruin your life, and people are like, hey, should you be doing that? Don't judge me. That's number one. And number two is, it's not that big a deal. Here's a good one. Number three, I'm not hurting anyone. That's always a good one, too. And I'm t- those three things will leave the person you're talking to kind of confused, and they'll give you a look like, okay. And they won't know what to do, and you just go deeper into your addiction. And all of a sudden, you will find yourself deeper and deeper and deeper into that controlling substance. And you will enjoy it. Let me be honest with you, man. Here's the cool thing about becoming an addict. You will enjoy it for a season. It's going to feel really good um, until it doesn't anymore. But again, we talked about that last week. We're not thinking on that right now. We're focused on the momentary pleasures of right now. And if you want to become an addict, that's how you need to do it. You need to kind of just don't admit you have a problem. Number two, real quick. How do I become an addict? Because you want to ruin your life. Gratify, Gratify your fleshly desires gratify your fleshly desires. Now, I know what you're thinking. Isn't this like last week about giving in to temptation? Yeah, drifting from God, becoming an addict, they're actually quite similar. If, so if you get down how to drift from God, becoming an addict will become really easy, actually. So here's what I recommend. Drift from God first, and then go into your addiction. And you'll find, man, this is so much easier transition. If you go right from being spiritually minded and living in the word and walking with Christ, and then you try to become an addict, there's going to be guilt and conviction and all this crazy stuff. We don't want that. So what you want to do is drift from God far enough, but then addiction's like, oh, it's just one more step. And I'm promising you, it'll happen just like that. Now, here's what I want to say real quick, because it's interesting to preach this way. I'm waiting for somebody to accidentally say amen. That's what I'm waiting for. (laughs) And when that happens, it's going to be amazing. Now, you can't do it now because I've already said it. So somebody's going to be like, I'm going to sneak it in there. Not going to be funny now. But I was thinking that when I was writing this this week, that, man, someone's going to go, amen, brother. And I'm going to be like, no, no. Um, Okay. Gratifying your fleshly desires. This is key. If you want to become an addict, do whatever feels good. So now we're, it's not what I know to be good or wrong. Mm-mm, that's irrelevant now. We don't focus on that. What feels good? And here's the thing. What feels good for the moment? See, that's even better. Not just for your whole life, but what feels good right now in this moment? If I'm not using any common sense whatsoever, what feels good? This. Do it. Don't think about it. Definitely don't pray about it. Don't ask anyone about it. Just do it. If you want to become an addict, do whatever feels good. And I mean, after all, like we just said, what? You're not hurting anyone anyway, right? Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 5, 16 through 17. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Boo. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you cannot, or you are not able to do whatever you want. See what Paul is saying here, he's saying, when you're feeling or being pulled by the Spirit to do what is good, reject that voice. And gratify your flesh. Gratify the voice of your flesh. And do whatever you want to do that feels good. And all of a sudden, as that battle's going on, it's tough at first. I won't lie. It's hard. But you can get there by just denying his voice, silencing his voice, not listening to him. And then over time, the deeper you go in your addiction, the smaller and smaller his voice will get. I mean, he'll still speak to you and stuff because he's just, you know, he's pushy that way. But he'll keep pressing you, and you just keep silencing him, keep silencing him. And all of a sudden, your addiction will be all that you want. And all those other voices will be silenced in your life. So we're going to gratify our flesh. We don't want to listen to the voice of the Spirit. We want to feed our flesh and do whatever our flesh wants. 
one key in becoming an addict is access. Access. This is key. How can I gratify my flesh? Have unlimited access to whatever is controlling you. See, the many problems we have is we try to get accountability, right? We try to put blocks on our phones and blocks on our computers. No, no, no. If you want to become an addict, get rid of all of that. Have unlimited access to whatever your temptation is, to whatever is controlling you. Whatever you're drawn to, always have access to it. If it's junk food, keep donuts everywhere in the house with chocolate. Just keep it everywhere. I mean, in the pantry, in the bedroom, right, like under the bed, whatever. Just have as much of it as you can whenever you can have it. If it's pornography and that's what's controlling you, then have unlimited access on every single device you own. Get the fastest internet you can get and then tell no one what you're doing, but keep all your devices hidden. Don't ever let your spouse or your family ever use one of your devices because they may stumble upon it. And you don't want that because if they find something, you've got to admit, I might have a problem. So we never admit we have a problem and we gratify our flesh all the time with unlimited access to whatever's controlling us. If it's our work, then just be at work all the time. Always have your cell phone on. Always tell people, you can reach me any hours of the night. Tell your family, you're second place to my job. I have to go when they call. And just get all that stuff kind of ready. Prime the handle. So when they call, you just go. And the more access to what's controlling you you have, the deeper into the addiction you will go. So we have unlimited access by gratifying our flesh. But number three, and quickly here, for time's sake, I want to make sure I get all these good points in. Keep your addiction a secret. This is key. This goes back to kind of not acknowledging. But the key is keep it a secret. This is so key. When you admit to yourself, this is if you admit to yourself that you have a problem, never, and I mean never, tell anyone else about it. As soon as you do, they will start praying for you, sending you encouraging texts. Who needs that? No. Deny you have a problem. I'm good. Keep it a secret. And keep it a secret from the Lord, too. Don't ever tell God you have a problem. Don't ever really admit to yourself you have a problem. 20, Proverbs 28, 13. Listen to what it says here. He who conceals his transgression will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. As I said before, if you want to really ruin your life, which is the goal of what we're talking about right now, man, then you want to not prosper. That's really destroying your life, right? If I'm prospering, I'm not destroying my life. So what does the Bible say? If you want to destroy your life and not prosper, keep your transgressions, your sins concealed. If you want to mess up your life and not prosper or live in the blessings of God, then you need to conceal your sin. That's also easier than confessing and forsaking that addiction. I mean, think about that. If I confess I have a sin, what do I got to do? I got to forsake. I got to give it up. I don't want to give it up. I like that. I like my controlling thing. I I like the thing that's controlling me and mastering me. I mean, yeah, it's taking everything I ever loved, but I like the way it makes me feel. So you know what? Who cares? I don't want to confess it. I don't want to change. No, I know what's good for me. I love what one author said about sin when he said this, sin grows best in the dark. Sin grows best in the dark. So if you want your addiction to control you and manipulate you, and destroy your relationships, then keep it as hidden as possible. Keep it as hidden as possible. You know, it's one of the blessings of legalism in churches. Man, legalism does a lot of great things for sin. Think about this. If you grew up in a legalistic church where there was more about what it looked like than what it was actually going on below the surface, you could just, you were taught how to hide your sin. 
I mean, some of those legalistic churches, man, they had it figured out. If you want to ruin your life, don't tell anybody about your sin. No, no, no. We don't want to know. Just look like a Christian. Act like a Christian. Sound like a Christian. Don't ever admit you have something going on under the surface because then we have to help you deal with it, and then we have to deal with our own sin, and we don't like that idea. So if you want to really grow your sin well and give into that addiction and let it control you, keep it hidden. Keep it in the dark. And I'm, I'm guaranteeing you, if you never acknowledge you have a problem, if you gratify your fleshly desires with full access, unlimited access all the time, and you keep it a secret, within no time, your addiction will have such a control over you, people won't even recognize you anymore. I mean, check this out. This is a good part. It may actually change your physical appearance. It might actually give you bad health. I mean, you want to destroy your life. You're on the right track. If you want to become an addict, just keep it a secret. Never tell anyone and never admit you have a problem. Now, enough of that, okay? Enough of that. I was kind of worried. There you go. That's <laughs> now, I want to, I wanna, and again, I said it last week. I hope you guys understand why we're doing it this way. Because I want you to see, and when you hear it, I want you to think, that is the most <laughs> ridiculous-sounding thing I've ever heard. I said it in the beginning, nobody in this room would wake up and say, I want to destroy my life today. But according to the word of God, if you conceal your sin, if you allow that thing to control you, if you refuse to admit you have to deal with this thing, it will destroy you. You cannot quit whenever you want. You cannot quit whenever you want. Whatever it is, I don't care what it is. You have no control over it. It controls you. And until you admit that very simple truth, you will never see victory from it. I want to look at this next passage and honestly and seriously listen to what God has for us. Because if you are battling with anything that is controlling you, there is another lie or another piece of bad advice that you have believed that you need to depend on your own power and never God's. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Turn over there with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verses 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Listen, I don't honestly believe that most people want to be an addict. I think something, sometimes it seems like happens to you that you just can't control. And so you just react because you get involved in this thing that makes you feel good. It's an escape. It's an ease. It's a lift of the burdens. Maybe you went through something that was a negative thing in your life and you ran to this thing for whatever reason and now all of a sudden it's like, you know what, I don't even want it anymore. I heard a story about a man that started drinking when he was a teenager. I'm talking like 14 years old, started drinking. This is an older gentleman. He's probably in his early 60s now. And I've shared this before as far as with other people and stuff, but he began drinking because his father encouraged it. And for a long time, he just did it because that's what was expected. But now, now he can't quit. And to the point where he has a hard time sleeping at night. If he doesn't have just some alcohol. Because he drank it for so long. And you know what's amazing is? He hates that he has to do that. He hates that he has to do that. And you might say, well, that's alcohol. That's drugs. Understand that. It is no difference. This is where we have to change our minds. It's no difference. When you give control of yourself over to something for a long period of time, 
all, it's, it's not like all of a sudden there's this note that it sends you or an email that says, hey, I got you now. You're mine. 60 days in your mind. There was nothing like that for you, I'm sure. It was all of a sudden you woke up and you realized, why do I hunger for this? Why do I need that? Why can I not go so many hours without thinking about this? Why do I actually feel like a weight is on my shoulders when I don't do this? Man, it's all of a sudden it just controls us. So how do we find victory? How do we find freedom from these things? Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Now look at verse 3. I'm in 1 Corinthians. It'd help if I was in 2 Corinthians, right? Tell you what, I look down. 1 Corinthians 10.3, not where we want to be. But 2 Corinthians 10.3, listen to what he says here. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We have no power. It's not that we have little power or we don't have as much power. We have no power. And that's the biggest difference between people that experience victory for a season and victory for a long period of time is they're trusting in the power of the Lord, not in their power. The word mighty here in verse 4, if you look at that with me, it says here, they're mighty through God. This means powerful. And it is describing the weapons we are fighting with in this war. There are two kinds of weapons, carnal or flesh or natural weapons or mighty have the power of God in them. The word mighty is the same word that we get the word dunamis or dynamite from. This is an intrinsic power. We have a power available to us that is beyond understanding. And that power can pull down strongholds. Now, maybe you're here and you've never really experienced a stronghold. Maybe you're here and you're in the control of a stronghold. Something is controlling you. Or maybe you've just been set free from it. But I don't know about you, but I can just stop and say, man, praise God that his power can pull down strongholds. Amen? And he is so good. Listen to what another translation, or how another translation translates that verse. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they are divine power. And I love this verse for this reason, or this translation, to demolish strongholds. Man, the power of God in you through Christ can destroy, demolish, tear down, obliterate any strongholds in your life. By his power, that addiction that is mastering you can be demolished, destroyed, wiped out. You can be victorious over every lie that the enemy has whispered in your ear. You have been given the very armor of God to withstand the attacks of the enemy, and you are more than conquerors in Christ. Stop believing the lie. You don't need it. See, the lie is, no, no, you need this to get by. You need this to get through. You need that relationship. You need this thing online. You need this. You need that. It's a lie. There's only one thing we need, and that's Christ. But the minute he stops becoming enough, we are so vulnerable so vulnerable to attack. And my heart breaks because I know that I've been struggling. I've struggled with things in my life. I've been struggling with things in my, my life. We all struggle with things. And it breaks my heart when I see people being controlled by something that they don't even want anymore. I've talked to so many people who struggle with certain sins and they'll tell me, I don't even enjoy it anymore. 
I don't even like it anymore. But I have to do it. I just have to. You see, you can be set free. One more verse, and then we're going to close in prayer. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. I hope that if you're here and you're struggling in something, if something is mastering you, has mastered you, you feel like you're giving control of something, you feel like you can't get out from under that sin, that thing, whatever it is, maybe if it's in a neutral thing, it's not even a sin thing, it's just something that maybe was, it's actually a, a neutral thing. It's, it's not good or bad, it's just, it is what it is. But it's controlling you. And it's controlling your time. It's controlling your finances. It's controlling your relationships. Then I hope you can hear the heart of our church is we want to help you. And we want to help you by knowing who you can be set free through and how we can come alongside and help you to experience freedom and victory. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. See, we say, oh, you know what, as a Christian, I have liberty. I can do whatever I want. We're like the Corinthians. I can do anything. Paul says, no, 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 no. You're not getting this. Your liberty is not given you so that you can sin more. Your liberty is given to you so you can live in the freedom of Christ. That you can live in a way that is free from the bondage of law. But listen, if we exchange the, the yoke of bondage in the law for the yoke of the bondage of sin, we've not really been set free. And so many Christians, man, I don't know what's going on in Christianity today. The last 15 years or so, it seems like there's this trend. This do whatever you want. I mean, we're saved by grace anyway. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Man, all that stuff about expectations from God and that we actually have to live a certain way that pleases God and God actually wants us to follow his word. And those are just legalistic terms that the law and all this garbage. Reject that. I'm sorry, when the Bible says this is what God asks of us, that's not legalism. That's Christianity. Now, I'm not saying that we do things for God to gain his merit or favor. We only find forgiveness of sins in Christ and Christ alone. Those of you that are followers of Christ that are trapped in an addiction right now, God still loves you just as much as he did before you got into that. That'll never change. And your salvation is not hinged upon that. But your life what he has for you, that he wants you to follow him. And you're living in this addiction. That's not what he has for you. That's not the abundant life. And man, so many Christians start walking the road of, I have liberty to do whatever, and they find themselves in bondage greatly to something that's controlling them. And we've got to be careful. Paul says, no, we don't use our liberty for that because he goes on to say, be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't run back into any kind of a bondage. Specifically, the Galatians were mixing law and grace, and he was saying, no, no, don't do that. You're making grace vain. But I believe this principle can apply to any bondage we put on our lives. We, we're not controlled by anything but the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you to do the opposite, to not give in to the bad advice, to not believe the lies of the enemy. And I want you to do three things if you're here and you're struggling in some way. Three things you need to do for yourself and until you do these three things, I'm promising you, you will not see victory. Three things you have to do if you're struggling in some way. Number one, you have to admit you have a problem. To yourself and to the Lord. This is the first step. Admit you have a problem. Number two, deny your fleshly desires. Admitting is the first step, yes, but you have to be willing to take action and stop what 
you're doing, even if it's difficult, even if it's uncomfortable. Listen, it's not judgment if it's coming from a loving coach that you have given permission to that comes alongside and says, hey, you need to change some things. You need to stop that. We admit we have a problem. We deny our fleshly desires. And number three, we tell someone we trust who is spiritually wise and can help. Allow others to speak into your life even when that is going to be difficult. We need to admit to ourselves and to the Lord that we have a problem and a struggle. We need to deny the fleshly desires and we need to talk to someone that can help us. Spiritually wise person who can come alongside us Give us wisdom and encouragement from the word of God and encourage us to be what God has called us to be. Again, not a critic, but a coach. Comes alongside and says, hey, listen, this is what I can see in your life. And this is what God wants to do in your life. Let's trust him in this. And helps you and encourages you. Because you know one of the other lies that we're told when we're struggling in any form of addiction or controlling nature of something? We're the only ones. Isn't that true? Man, no one will understand because we're the only ones both of which are lies. I may not understand exactly what you're going through because I'm not you, but I can promise you Christ knows what you're going through. And you're not the only one. I can tell you as a pastor and been in ministry now since 2005, I have struggles. I have weaknesses in my life. I have things in my past that haunt me. But I'm so thankful for the Spirit of God in me, for the Word of God before me, for loving people around me, for a wife that encourages me. And I need all those things and more. Because listen, we all have struggles. So I asked the question at the beginning, I'll ask again, what's mastered you? What's mastered you? What are you going to do about your situation? This is where people say, I don't have an addiction. I don't have a problem. But remember, we said... We are talking about more than addiction. We are asking, what has mastered you? What are you giving yourself over to for fulfillment other than Christ? And that's where the addiction starts and destruction is where it ends. But let me say this too as a word of encouragement before we pray. I know this is a broad subject, and I know we only gave it about 45 minutes. And I know that's tough. Try to kind of cram everything into one message. And I know you have questions and concerns and things that you're battling with. So first and foremost, reach out to someone that you trust spiritually that can help you through that journey. But number two, if you're here and you've been trying, man, you've been praying and you've been trying to retrain your mind and you're trying to walk away from that thing and you're putting work into it, but you just, it just seems fruitless. Like you, still, like you feel like you're still just right where you started. Then don't give up. Don't quit. Keep focused. Stay the course. Don't faint. Don't grow weary in well-doing, but keep pushing And I'm promising you, if you will get some support and some encouragement, you can see victory like never before. Don't believe the lie of why should I keep trying? It's not doing anything anyway. You keep focused. You keep pushing. And you watch God do something great. Greater things this year than ever before in your life. I believe he can do it. I believe he will do it if we'll trust in him. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? As you bow your heads right there where you are, I want to just take a quick prayer or have a quick prayer. And then we're going to open it up to invitation and give you an opportunity to respond. And I thank you so much for your faithfulness and your attentiveness. But with your heads bowed and eyes closed right there where you are, I know this is a lot of information to process. I know this is a lot of content. 
And I know that we couldn't possibly touch on every single situation that everyone in this room is going through. That would be difficult to do through a series of messages, let alone one. But I want to encourage you a couple things. If you're here and you're struggling, and you feel like something has mastered you, then you need to come and pray and bend a knee and say, God, I surrender this to you. I repent of it. I ask you to forgive me. Give me the strength to move on from it. Give me some encouragement from others around me and help me to use wisdom in how I walk through and in this, this process of my life. But number two, if you're here and you are experiencing victory over something, you've been set free from something and you're finding Christ is just showing you new things and, man, the, the joy that you have is just unimaginable. Then maybe you would come and pray and say, God, show me how I can encourage someone else this week. Show me how I can use the freedom I've been given as a testimony to what you're doing in my life. Allow me to be guided by your Holy Spirit. That a coworker, a family member, or friend that is struggling in some way, that I can come alongside them and give them some words of encouragement and let them know that they're not alone. And so, Father, may you just lead, guide, and direct in these things. Whether it's somebody that's struggling in some way and needs to be set free, maybe they would come and pray. Maybe they would come with someone that could pray with them. Maybe there's somebody that's been set free that wants to come and pray for wisdom and how to use that freedom to touch someone else's life. Lord, help us to reject the bad advice today. To walk in the fullness of what you have for us. Thank you for your freedom and your grace, which forgives, forgives every sin. There is no sin, no addiction beyond your ability to forgive and to restore from. I pray we believe that this morning. Lord, we love you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? As these guys lead us in a song of invitation, would you just come and pray? Again, no judgment here. Just because you come and pray doesn't mean you're in an addiction. And if somebody thinks that about you, don't worry about them. You focus on you with the Lord. You come and pray because God is leading you to pray. You come and bow a knee and say, God, use me, strengthen me, or set me free. Whatever God is doing, would you respond to him this morning? Don't wait. Just come and pray as we sing.